Almighty, grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. And put away your anger toward us. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault, in thought, word, and deed, for the sake of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me, forgive me all my sin, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen.
Our psalm is Psalm 22, verses 1 through 21. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and were saved. In you they trusted, and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, and not a man. Scorned by men, and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. The reading of the Passion History, Part 5, Calvary. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. He was passing by on his way in from the country. They seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed Jesus, including women who mourned and wailed for him.
Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, in the wombs that never bore, in the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called Golgotha, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. It was the third hour when they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left, and Jesus in the middle. Thus the scripture was fulfilled, which says, he was counted with the lawless ones. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened above his head on the cross. The written charge against him read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. They cast lots to see what each would get. The undergarment remained. It was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. The people, too, stood watching. Those who passed by hurled insult at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Even the rulers sneered at him. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him heaped insults on him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. 
but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with the wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, leave him alone now. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him and take him down. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Then he cried out again with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he bowed his head and gave up his life. Here ends the reading from the Gospels.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text for this Good Friday is recorded for us in the 53rd chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at verse 1. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you willed that your Son should bear for us the pains of the cross, that you might remove from us the power of the adversary. Help us to remember and give thanks for our Lord's passion, that we may receive remission of sin and redemption from everlasting death. Through the same, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, these days, a lot of people are looking for good news. Call it a glimmer of hope or restored faith in humanity. Some people are so exhausted by bad news that they find websites and media that report exclusively good news. If I asked you, what is the good news you're hoping to hear? What news do you wish you had now that would make this a great year? How would you respond? You might say, knowing me and my loved ones stay healthy this year, and this virus pandemic goes away. Knowing I'll be able to socialize again and do the things I love this summer. Knowing my family will be financially secure this year. Knowing I'll meet someone special who shares my interests and loves me, knowing my friends and family value me and include me in their plans. What is the good news that for you would change this day, this season, even this year for you? Today we are here to hear good news that lasts beyond a lifetime, and that is the gospel news of Good Friday. But why is it called good? This day is a sobering day. Here we come face to face with the grim reality that our sin caused. Here all our sin and punishment is gathered up on one man in one place. Jesus crucified on the cross. He was innocent, but he hung on the cross because of our sin. And then he died. It ends with Jesus being buried in the tomb. But it is good 
because we see Jesus took our sin away, suffering hell on the cross in our place so that we are completely forgiven and have peace with God. Thinking about the news of Good Friday is bittersweet. It doesn't end on a high note like Easter. Instead, it ends with waiting. But the bitterness of Good Friday is the reason for the sweetness of Easter. Good Friday is truly good because we see the wounds that heal. The prophet Isaiah lived about 700 years before the time of Christ. Isaiah asks the question, Who has believed our report? It is more of an exclamation than a question. No one is listening to the good news of the gospel. Even after all the numerous miraculous signs God did, some still rejected it and were in denial about their sinful behaviors. Isaiah wrote by the Holy Spirit the vision God had revealed to him. Isaiah saw what would happen on Good Friday already 700 years before it would take place. He records four separate songs of the suffering servant Jesus. And this is the last one. This song describes in detail the events of Good Friday. Isaiah states in verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Sheep aren't very smart. They can easily get stuck in a fence and need someone to rescue them. Sheep are followers. It's easy for them to follow the crowd, even when it's harmful. If one sheep decides to jump off a cliff, others often follow. Sheep wander. They often graze without knowing where they're going, unable to find their way back, even when home is near. They need a shepherd to protect them from the wolves and danger and rescue them if they get lost. And so it is fitting that Isaiah says, We've been like sheep. Like sheep, we aren't very smart either. We can get stuck in the same sins over and over again. We can get caught in an addiction, gambling, or pornography, or the like that can consume our lives. We tend to follow the lead of others in our world, even when they are harmful to our faith. Hearing that sin and hell aren't really that bad or don't even exist. Following a leader because of the way they make us feel, not because of their faithfulness to the Bible. Like sheep, we wander from our shepherd. We can get so distracted by grazing in this world, we leave his green pastures. The grass can look so much greener on the other side that we wander. So we leave the food of God's word and look elsewhere to be satisfied. We chase the things that offer beauty and majesty. Isaiah says in verse 3, We did not esteem him. When we choose to sin, we don't think much of God. There is no one excluded from Isaiah's words. There is no room for excusing or diminishing sin. There are no exceptions for pride or pointing fingers or comparing. We take a look at just what we've done and failed to do right. We see a mess that we can't fix. We didn't stay under the shelter of the Almighty. Instead, we have gone astray. 
Some people don't believe their sin is bad or they need a savior. Sin is an offensive term to the world. Numerous people reject God's word because it talks about sin. As St. Paul writes, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Because for the gospel to be the gospel, first the bad news of sin has to be recognized. Many people stumble on this point. Some think they can work out salvation on their own and just do the next best thing. They may seek another religion or life philosophy that doesn't involve a Good Friday crucifixion. If God wanted to forgive our sins, why not just forgive them without having himself tortured and executed in payment? Who is God trying to impress? That is the question evolutionary biologist and atheist Richard Dawkins asks in his book, The God Delusion. This whole idea of atonement, that Jesus had to suffer and die for us to be at one with God, is foolishness to the world. It sounds just the opposite of a loving, gracious, merciful God. No doubt, Good Friday is offensive. It is offensive to our pride, to our self-esteem and our ego. It is true, God is a God of mercy, but he is also a just God. He can't ignore sin and bend his rules and say, that's okay. No, God is holy and he hates any and all sin. Our sinful lives must be disinfected like germs, but even 99.9% holy isn't enough. His law demands 100% perfection. So even one broken law has to be punished with eternal death in hell. We are like sheep. We have all left the presence of God to go our own way, to go back to the sins we become addicted to and infatuated with. We have left his warnings, his commandments, and spread this awful disease. We didn't distance ourselves from sin and draw close to God. We've gone astray. We deserve to be despised and rejected, not just by people, but God. We deserved to carry our griefs and sorrows alone. We deserved to be smitten, stricken, and afflicted by God. We deserved to be wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. We should have been punished with physical and eternal death on a cross, except God didn't punish us. He put all our sins on his son to take our punishment on the cross. Jesus didn't wander away from the Father's commands. He was perfectly obedient. The God-man Christ Jesus wasn't infected with a single wound of sin. Jesus grew up as a tender shoot. He had been born in the line of kings from the stump of Jesse and David. But Jesus humbled himself. He had no outward majesty or beauty. Instead, he was despised and rejected. He was humbled for you and me. This section of scripture, Isaiah 53, is called the gospel of the Old Testament. It 
It is quoted more frequently in the New Testament than any other Old Testament passage. They are the New Testament gospel in a nutshell. Jesus has taken on every single one of our griefs, our diseases. He has carried our sorrows, the things that give us pain and tears in this life. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God in our place. He was wounded for our transgressions, all the rebellious acts we've committed. He was bruised for our iniquities, our load of guilt that weighs on our conscience. He took the punishment for our sins. The Lord put all our iniquity on his son, and in turn, Jesus has given us peace with God. So far in our midweek Lenten sermon series, we have covered the various wounds that Jesus faced. The wound of betrayal, apathy, denial, mockery, and abandonment. They are all wounds that we caused that Jesus took on himself. But now we see the wounds that heal. Jesus' wounds. By Jesus' stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, the whip of metal shards that tore his body and caused him to bleed, by those, we are healed. We have been forgiven. We treasure these words for our us, and we in these verses because it means every single one of us. We see how much love, grace, and mercy our God has that Jesus died for you and me. This good news assures us beyond the shadow of a doubt the certainty of our salvation. Jesus didn't just make a down payment or make the monthly payments more bearable. No, he paid our redemption price in full. Jesus' hands inside are the receipt, signed with his blood, that our debt is canceled. This forgiveness is given and assured to us in the Lord's Supper, where we receive the very body and blood that won our salvation on the cross. Instead of betraying us, Christ is a faithful friend. Proverbs says there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Instead of showing us apathy, Jesus empathizes with us as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Instead of denying us, God is faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself. Instead of being mocked, we are praised by God. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Instead of being abandoned, we have been adopted. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Good Friday, then, is truly good. It is a day when we first hear the bad news and come face to face with our sins with no excuse or way to heal our wounds. We see how serious God takes our wounds of sin. But we also see God's love, grace, and mercy, sending his son Jesus to take our place, who bore our punishment, suffering hell and death on the cross. 
We see the wounds that heal. Jesus stripes, his nail marks, his side, his scars. And hear the beautiful news that we are healed, forgiven. We don't have to fear sin or death because Jesus has forgiven our sins and given us peace with God. We see Good Friday, though, through Easter lenses. We know what happens two days after Good Friday. Jesus told people many times that he would die and rise again in three days. Good Friday is not the end of the good news, but a to-be-continued of even greater news. And so we wait, as the disciples and women and all followers of Jesus did. And that makes Easter all the more special. It's a time of waiting and reflecting on Christ's loving sacrifice. We reflect on our own losses and the day we will take our last breath. There's a gap between Good Friday and Easter as we also live our lives between Good Friday and Easter, between suffering and rejoicing. And so we wait with hope. We cling to Jesus' words about what he said he would do and what he will do for us. We anticipate Jesus' resurrection as we also anticipate ours. So we hang on to hope in this life until we reach the eternal Easter celebration in paradise as we sing in the hymn, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior. Tis I deserve thy place. Look on me with thy favor. Vouchsafe to me thy grace. Be thou my consolation, my shield when I must die. Remind me of thy passion when my last hour draws nigh. Mine eyes shall then behold thee, upon thy cross shall dwell. My heart by faith enfold thee, who dieth thus dies well. Amen.
hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and unto the Holy Ghost. Into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Keep us, O Lord, as the apple of your eye. Hide us under the shadow of your wings. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, hear my prayer. And let my cry come to you. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray you to forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Preserve us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Preserve us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and most merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. At that moment... The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. The centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, said, Surely he was the Son of God. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all who knew him stood at a distance. They included many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs, among them Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Younger and Joseph, and Salome the mother of Zebedee's sons. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, 
They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may have faith. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, as evening approached, there came a man named Joseph, a rich man from the Judean town of Arimathea, also a prominent member of the council who had not consented to their decision and action. He was a good, upright man who was waiting for the kingdom of God, and he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Going to Pilate, he asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he had learned from the centurion that it was so, He gave the body to Joseph. Joseph took the body down and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, which he had bought. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb cut out of rock in which no one had ever been laid. They laid Jesus there because it was nearby, and also because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Joseph rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. The women went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. The next day, the one after preparation day, The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that imposter said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard.